Jason Chapman. Jeremy Shepard, how you doing? It's not just hey, Jason, it's all the Chapmans. Yeah, guess what? We got all of us here, and we have an important what? question to ask you. Sure. Will you be on our podcast? Do I have to be? Well, you don't have you to. Could be. say no, but we'd be very disappointed. I'd, yeah, I'd be, I'd be a little bit That's bummed, true. but I would probably deny it if I were you. Listen, I will take every chance to talk to you guys. I can. <laughs> <laughs> right. we'll, we'll see. We'll see after the podcast. Yeah, we'll hold yeah. you to that. Let's have, I need an exit interview scheduled after this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. Make me a wink, because I can be the wink. Let somebody want to let me go when I can have my wink. So here we are, podcast number... 736. Wow, I didn't know we did that many. I'm just projecting. We must have thrown away a few episodes. (laughs) Anyway, we're back for another podcast. The Acoustic Shop knows people. We're going to know somebody today. Who are we knowing, John? We're going to be talking to our good buddy, the guitar hunter, Jeremy (laughs) Shepard. Are you going to say something? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. How's it going? Um, It's good. I appreciate you coming for this meeting. Um, Why... Wanted to talk to you Why guys. Why do you ask? <laughs> you never cared before. I just don't get to see you guys very often. <laughs> I've seen you. Yeah. I see so much of you. I go home at night and try to do like, uh, you know, the crying it, game. Not the crying game, but pretty close to it. I sit there with my legs. Um, forget what I just saw. Today. It's called meditation. John? Meditation. meditation. That's what I want. Medication, I too. I take a lot of medication on top of this. <laughs> I see Jeremy in my dreams. That wow. is really weird. Speaking of seeing Jeremy in their dreams, are you talking about me or our next guest? Our next guest? Our, our guest on this podcast? Before we get into that, how are you, Jeremy? Thank you, guys. <laughs> I've been waiting for somebody to ask me that. Um, Good. Now that now you ask me, I'm not sure. Really? Existentially. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> well, are the you? overall scheme of things, I think things are going all right. Yeah. That's good. I got a stressful life, a stressful family, and then stressful job. And what is this stressful family you speak oh, of? Oh, just kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wear you out. Uh, for a second there, I thought he was talking about me. Oh, oh he You're was. Extended. Kids, kids aren't stressful, but <laughs> they're fun. Just look at them. We, we, I just went through my phone the other day, and we were finding like old videos from four four years ago. They were so cute back then. I wish I they would have stayed that sad. way, and now they're just, they're not. cute in a different <laughs> way, I guess. Not. Yeah, they're growing <laughs> up. Even they're watching it, they're going, I was so cute, I miss being that way. <laughs> we told you to stay, yeah, and you we wouldn't. Miss, we miss it, too. Now, we got problems at the house right now. Uh, Benny's been picking up the other babies and dropping them on other toys, so <laughs> now Peyton's got a big old knot on her head because he dropped on a big block. It's wanting to be uh, like the big brothers. Yeah, it's dangerous now. <laughs> tough what enough to do. Uh, she's gonna have to get tough with yeah, exactly. four brothers. Yeah, she'll be. I said she's gonna get you back. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jeremy Shepard, the guitar hunter, our 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 friend uh, on the YouTubes. Um, yeah, this is our like uh, first YouTube friend. Yeah, um, it was. It, it is. So I reached out to you, I reached out to him a year or so ago. Said, uh, you like guitars, I like guitars, let's be buddies. And <laughs> it happened. Now, he flew out here, he hung out for for almost a week. It was a good yeah. three or four or five days. And then we um, saw him at IBMA. We hunted guitars. We in the year. bagged our limit, and uh, <laughs> he went home. Sure. And he had to buy an out-of-state uh, tag, too, he which did. was really Those expensive. Ex- they are very expensive. I don't know if you guys are aware. But, yeah. 
hunting jokes, huh? <laughs> ha, ha. Johnny Morris. <laughs> anyway, no, Jer- Jeremy Shepard's a great guy. Uh, d- does share a passion for guitar uh, acquisitions, guitar acquisitions, but guitars in general. We found that, uh, and then we hang out with we hung out with him again, not long after that at the IBMA or, or IBMA World Show. Of Bluegrass. Yep. Uh, he was getting a cool pr- perspective, uh, an outsider perspective on bluegrass, I think, which was pretty well, cool. I recently watched one of his episodes, which was really cool, where he talked about his kind of uh, evolvement from, you know, his guitar playing world. Like, he, you know, he talks a lot about how he started more in the, uh, you know, pop rock stuff that was kind of going around in the, in the late I love 90s. Pop rocks. Thir- or I guess it would have been more the 2000s. Yeah, um, and then sort of has kind of become an acoustic, uh, more acoustic aficionado, and and that has kind of led him to his world and love of more bluegrass and folk and Americana music, um, which is really kind of you know, again, it's it's a cool thing to watch people as they evolve as musicians. Uh, you know, I personally, I know you guys have too. Started out more as you know the the hardcore traditional uh, bluegrass world, and slowly spread our wings and kind of branched out into other genres and and that kind of stuff. So it's cool to have him joining us at IBMA to kind of even get a bigger you know dose of that. <laughs> whatever, whatever that whatever that is. is. <laughs> anyway, we're excited to have him on the podcast. Uh, he's he like we said, we know him, so we're going to talk to him. And, and we don't have to learn any new names. Yeah. Jeremy Shepard. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Jeremy Shepard, the guitar hunter. I like how I said guitar. guitar. I the like guitar hunter. Jeremy all of a sudden came from the Netherlands. I don't know what happened guitar. right there. The this is going to be an issue, uh, by the way, for this entire podcast. We have two Jeremys in one. Who is going to know who is who? You guys never use my name anyway. You use some yeah. other names that we can't use on the podcast. <laughs> so if you hear Jeremy, it's directed at the Mr. Shepherd. All right, I'll go with that. I also like that he uh, went with the uh, Mr. Shepherd. Is that common to be referred to as Mr. Shepherd? No, I don't get that very often. You prefer Mr. Hunter or? <laughs> <laughs> I've had many nicknames along the way, so it's funny. Like very few people say Jeremy. It's always like Guitar Hunter or like people that know me from growing up. It's like Jimmy Sheep or I can tell where someone knows me from by what they what nickname they call right. me. Can we uh, stop right now and let's uh, discuss Jimmy Sheep? I just want to <laughs> yeah. know. I want to know where anybody uh, ever came up with a Jimmy Sheep. Oh, have I told you this story? No, I'm ready for it, though. OK, so Jimmy Sheep. Um, I had two nicknames growing up. Both were embarrassing and unfortunate. One was Jimmy Fathead. Which is now officially your uh, official... Changing the contact in my phone. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it was Jimmy Fathead and Jeremy Sheep Turd. And it was middle school. You know, it was rough on everybody. Um, But I was getting on a bus one day, and somebody was trying to make fun of me. Like, what's up, Jimmy Sheep? And it just stuck. And, you know, much better than, like, fat sheep turd, the other combo. (laughs) There are worse alternatives. So, yeah. So there's, like, a whole, like, there are lots of people in my hometown that only know me as Jimmy. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. So I guess getting to the, we're going to go right to the tough questions. Is it just uh, Jeremy or are you a Jeremiah? No, I'm Jeremy. 
So the story goes, so I have two middle names. The story goes, my parents couldn't agree on our middle names, on on our first name, and they each wanted a middle name. And then at the end, they just said, like, all right, Jeremy was going to be the middle name, but it's now his first name, and then the two names they couldn't decide on. So it's Jeremy Robert Ryan Shepard. Well, I was gonna Robert. take a shot in the dark and say Jim Bob. <laughs> Jeremy Jim Bob. I mean, I'm from I'm from Shenandoah, so yeah. fair. There are a few Jim Bobs there. Well, that story about Jimmy uh, Sheep or Shithead or hey. <laughs> whatever it was <laughs> reminds me of why I'm happy because uh, we were homeschooled. And the and you know I got called those names by my brothers, which is oh. I don't know if it's worse or better. Well, let's straighten that Classmates out. Classmates can be so cruel. That's not necessarily <laughs> true. Jason is six years younger than me. I was in public school until my freshman year. I finished my freshman year of high school. Jeremy would have been the eighth grade. I, I finished. Uh, no, it's seventh grade. Seventh I was grade. middle school. I got Something to like, like that. Yeah. Nobody really cares. And then and then seventh we. Grade. And Jason, I was third or fourth grade. Yeah. I peaked. I always tell everybody I peaked in the fifth grade. He graduated. I had, I had a girlfriend. I had the best friends. I was kind of the muscle on the playground. That's not I was, true. Yeah. There's just no way. First kiss on the playground oh at five years old. Oh, my God. What a weird, weird. Wow. Uh, I went down still, from you, you know how, like, uh, these guys are football stars in high school, and they relive yeah. that their exactly. entire life? That's Mason's <laughs> ended at elementary with the kiss on the playground. I de- I'm telling you, I peaked with the girls at five and went downhill from there. Anyway, so after that, didn't like hearing that. After that, we uh, ended up uh, go having. We were touring so much, we ended up doing a homeschool correspondence, okay, yeah. school. correspondence deal, and that's where. But Jason did off. have some mean classmates. I'll give him. Yeah, they, <laughs> they gave me the full experience. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, because that is it is really interesting because you guys, you, like, you were homeschooled, but for a total probably a very different reason than most people are homeschooled. Like, uh, sure. we have lots of friends. Like, we homeschool our kids. And, uh, but it's just a different experience if you guys are like running down the road and playing music and just yeah. the necessity of being yeah. all over. Well, anyway, now that we got that out of the way, welcome to the <laughs> podcast, Jeremy. <laughs> what a wild, long introduction welcome, to get us into yes, here. Yes, exactly. Welcome to the Acoustic Shop Knows People. Uh, you are definitely one of the people we know. Recent, uh, you're one of the yeah. our most recently known people. Yeah, but it's been really fun. I mean, just the amount that we've like, because normally the way these things work is I fly out and I do something and we hang out. And then, you know, we just kind of go separate ways. But we've kept up really well. And I think we just, like, I find you guys hilarious and, like, <laughs> and super knowledgeable. Like, I'll text John, okay, what does this Eastman See, number, the, the bottle number is, mean? Is he doesn't understand that I make stuff up I know, while, while on you're, the fly. While he's texting you back, he's actually just copying it from Google. <laughs> oh, That's good. let me tell you off the top of my head, it says here, no. It, it has been a good relationship, like... One of the reasons we do the media and also open the stores is just because we're, we're enthusiastic about acoustic instruments. We grew up in it. We, when the opportunity came to open a store, it was just about, hey, we love this stuff. So we follow other people online, and that's the great thing about the Internet is you can find other like-minded people that are obsessed with acoustic instruments. And Absolutely. That's how we stumbled across your channel and, and hooked up and yeah. came out here. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun. We, we went out after you know the filming and had dinner and talked about inst- – that's the funny thing is even – off camera, it was still about instruments and, and how we got involved in music, and it's just part of our lives and yours yeah, as well. I'm, yeah, I mean, that's that's what, like, I mean, and you guys know, too. Like, when you do social media a lot, like, you show, like, I, you share the depth of who you are in one avenue of your life. Um, so, for me, like, there are plenty of other things that I don't talk about on social media and stuff, but it is, like, guitar is very central to my identity my life how i came to be who i am 
you know, I've been playing guitar for 20 couple years now. And yeah, it must be so, a Virginia thing, by the way. Twenty couple. I've not. That's you know. That, you know, heard twenty couple. No, that one. That one lines up very one. well with. Can, can you please cut your lights on? Yeah, I, I, never, I never understood that one either. But uh, go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway, that funny. brings up that brings up a good question. Uh, tell us about the start of guitar in your world. Let's go back twenty couple years. You kind of know our yeah twenty couple <laughs> yeah. years. How did you start playing guitar? Yeah. Okay. So I was. Um, 12 or so um and so my my oldest brother i'm like you guys and we've talked about this too like i have three brothers jason jonathan jeremy and justin are the four of us and so we have you know so there's weird. a lot of that's similarities why he, that's why he chased us down that's really it's true strange guys we're we're like we a don't secondary. have to learn any new names we're like family <laughs> it's easy yeah um but yeah so my oldest brother uh we all the older three of us were really competitive and I was never as good at sports as my two older brothers. And so they were really good at tennis. That was their main sport was tennis. And um, and so I I had my ninth grade coach would say, like, Shepard, as soon as we get more people to try out for the team, you are the first person I'm going to cut. <laughs> that's motivational speaking right there. Wow. Yeah. Well, that so, guy got it That's down, what I told Jason man. about the band for that's, years. That's, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> up there with rub some have dirt on kid. it. <laughs> rub some dirt on it. Walk it off. Yeah. So, okay. So my brother got a guitar for his birthday, and I saw he just didn't take to it, and I picked it up and played it just, you know, here and there. And within a couple weeks, it just made sense to me. And uh, it, yeah, and so I it just became my thing. So I started playing guitar at like 12 or so. Um, and then about a year later, I was uh, I was good at wrestling. And I went for a, a just an annual physical. And they found that I have a heart condition. And it ended up meaning that I couldn't be in any sports or competitive things. Couldn't do gym class anymore. So it was a super intense time. Yeah, right at 14. And, um, and so all of a sudden, just all of that energy and effort that was going into like sports and being, you know, active and all that stuff went into playing guitar. And uh, so I immediately within maybe six months after that, this is, we, we all really loved Blink-182. Like I was just, I was a middle schooler in like the early 2000s or late 2000s, 90s. And it just worked out that I just like jumped in and made a pop punk band called Relish 232. Uh, <laughs> Where's the 232 coming? I mean, I get hot dog relish. Uh, I, I'm with yeah. you. Uh, 232 was, uh, was the locker, uh, that we all shared when we put our guitars in a locker. Nice. I love that. And you guys are like, this is going to make such a great Rolling Stone story when they ask us about yeah. our origin. <laughs> no, let's, it was lamer than that. We talked about what our behind the music would be like. <laughs> Which one of you was going to be drug addicted? Yeah. <laughs> Overcome addiction. Uh-huh. The Acoustic Shop Knows People is brought to you by the fine folks at The Acoustic Shop. There's fine people over there. Have you guys ever heard of a mandolin? If so, you should already be in the car driving to The Acoustic Shop. If not, you should be on the World Wide Web searching up theacousticshop.com. If the answer is no, then you should go listen to a mandolin, then get back to step one and continue through the rest of the steps. As always, please drive safe. What was your first guitar, by the way? Um, my first guitar was a classic. No, it was a global. It was a global classical. It was like a three quarter steel string. It was very much like a kid, like a toy yeah. guitar. 
Um, and then my first real guitar was an Alvarez RD8. Um, I sold a lot of those guitars when I was a younger person. Yeah, I, I like those. The and official, now, official kit guitar because it came with a hard shell case. Yeah, yeah, hard shell case for like under two, uh, 189 bucks or something. Yeah. That, uh, that, with inflation now, that I believe that's uh, 799 Or <laughs> one dozen eggs. <laughs> one um, dozen eggs. But that, you probably attested that a little bit in that transition from that kid starter, I wouldn't say junker guitar, but definitely not a high-quality yeah. one. There's there's kind of a built-in reward system for all the effort you put into it. Like if you stick with it and are really practicing on one of those entry-level guitars – and you mm-hmm. realize how much you love it when you buy that next level guitar, or it's bought from you for you by your parents. There's like this reinvigoration, like all of a sudden, man, I got to practice ten hours Seriously. now, and you know, I, I can't put it down. You just get obsessed with it, and then again, Seriously. that starts to plateau, and then you go up to that next level, and it keeps re-energizing the interest in in practicing. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's amazing. Like you get so much payoff for the skills you've already worked on. And like the thing you stumbled through with really high action, all of a sudden you get to hear it cleanly. Like I remember I was really into the red hot chili pepper. So a lot of those riffs like scar tissue and other side, like those are the songs I was learning when I was 12 and 13 and hearing them on a guitar that sounded good. Like just lit my soul on fire for playing guitar more. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> mine was kind of the opposite end of that. I started with dad's uh, D 28. He had a, uh, 74 D28. Okay. And that was his guitar. But see, my my problem was I wasn't supposed to be playing guitar. So I was actually supposed to be taking, I was taking lessons, fiddle lessons. You got that reward system with your fiddle upgrades. Yeah, I sort of do to a degree. But then I'll tell you where my second, I started with a great guitar, um, but where my reward system was when I got to where I could afford my own personal ones. And Mm -hmm. I remember the first guitar that I paid for with my own money. And it was nowhere near as good a quality guitar as that, but it still was like was this reinvigoration of, hey, I did this. This is mine. I, you know. Seriously. And, and to think, like, you were just saying we kind of get rewarded for all those skills we've learned. If it was karate, they just, like, change the color of your belt. Yeah, like, what, a, what, a, what a lame upgrade. <laughs> all that work and you just get a different color belt. <laughs> no, you get a black strat. You go from an orange to a black strat. And I, yeah. on this same line, I've never bought a bass. Yeah. <laughs> you got so, a couple of I guess I've never been rewarded. You had a, yes, yeah, a stand up I never played them. That was given to me. Well, Ooh, that's even better, isn't it? Way to brag right there. Hey, yeah. I'm so good. They just give me stuff. Uh, flex. Flex. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Upright basses maybe don't have quite. Although, I, I guess I shouldn't say My, that. You're, you're a little unique because I know a lot of upright bass players that yeah. have like 20 basses, which has to take up a whole living room of your house. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about that bass is there's honestly never been a bass that I want to play more. There's been some sounds that I'd like to have out of a different bass, but I still haven't found that bass. Mm, I just kind of lucked into a great one. Yeah, that's my thing. That's what I kind of think, same along the lines of John. We were lucky to start out with some incredible instruments. Dad was very committed. I know I upgraded quite a few times along the way. I started with a pretty inexpensive Kentucky or... Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, you did. I remember And then went to a flat iron and then the Ramsey and then... The bush, so it was definitely a progression. Which every time you do that, it was just kind of like, yes, you know, I've kind of made it to this next level, and I'm going to practice even more now. And you get excited about it. By the way, Jeremy paid for zero of those instruments. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. bought a few since we opened a music store. Yeah. I didn't pay for any of them, guys. Don't check my account. <laughs> I'll buy this one. <laughs> so that was your first two guitars. 
it kind of it went from there. After you got your guitars, you started playing. You got your band rocking. Uh, yeah. What's the next uh, uh, evolvement? How, how did the guitar hunting begin? With the yeah. love for that, hunting. Yeah. So we have to we we'd have to skip ahead. So I always like was buying and flipping stuff, and um, yeah. So I guess guitar flipping. I was. I just graduated from high school. I had a couple bands. I owned a booking company, so I used to book bands to come uh, to my hometown. And so I love guitars. I was in the guitar world a lot. And uh, the guy, like, the main guy at my local guitar shop uh, was leaving to make his, to open his own guitar shop. And so he recommended that I get a job working at a local guitar shop. And it's still, like, I think that changed my life more than anything. And um, so I, I got hired to work at this guitar shop called the Guitar and Amp Center, which was, um, it was a guy who had started it in the 70s. His dad had been in the music business, but Warren, who owned the shop, just, he taught me how to negotiate with people, how to buy stuff, how to buy and flip. And then the biggest thing was how to know what things are worth. And so, I mean, every day now, I still am running through lessons that he taught me. And while I was working for him is when I started finding deals on the side, like through we used to have like a penny saver kind of magazine that I'd find stuff and I'd track people down and buy guitars and cash. And so that's how I paid for college. Um, my first wild, one of the first guitars I found to flip, uh, is a wild story. Um, I found a 61 Gibson Les Paul. So at this point it no longer looked like a Les Paul. It looked like an SG. This one was white, had gold hardware, a sideways vibrato and three pickups, three PAFs. The guy was asking $11,000 for it. And I was like, that's a $25,000 guitar. I know. And uh, so I went to my dad and I was like, dad, I, I had $5,000 that I was supposed to use to pay for college my freshman year of my freshman year of college. It's like, dad, can I use that $5,000 and borrow $6,000 more from you? And I will buy this guitar and I know I can make money. And he was like, absolutely not of course he's like like, you're going to college you're you're doing this and i just kept hounding him i was like i promise you like this will make money and i didn't want to tell anyone about it because i knew somebody else in the area would find it Mm -hmm. and so probably two months of me just like hounding my dad to help me do it he was like all right if this doesn't go right i'm going to charge you interest and like principal and considerable interest like as he should yeah, so uh, he finally gave me $11,000 in cash uh, as a 19-year-old, and I went down to the town where the guitar was being sold. I checked it out. I made sure everything was right. I bought the guitar. Two weeks later, I went to the Philadelphia Guitar Show, and I sold it to the Mandolin Brothers for $27,500. Wow, good deal. So that's how I paid for most of college. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how that guitar sat so long while you were able to get the funds together that somebody else didn't swoop in there and... It was in a pawn shop, and it was just like you know everything else is two and three hundred dollar guitars and some old American Strats. Like it was nothing like that. Well, there's always those that, that stories out addiction there. Addiction, right there. Yeah, exactly. And those are those stories out there that you really thrive on. I think that's what you've built your your we could say brand on. But you know, yeah, that's what you do. I mean, the stories of those guitars that are hidden out there. We used to get those stories as as younger kids. You know, you always hear about <laughs> the Lloyd Lures and the uh, you know pre-war the D- yeah the pre wars and the. Granada banjos. Just been sitting under that, somebody's yeah. bed. And yeah. 
some old lady brings about, hey, would you look at my banjo? I mean, even some of the, st- the actual origin stories of Monroe with his yeah. mandolin and, and Tony Rice. Barbershop. Tony yeah. Rice getting the his guitar, or, uh, Wyatt getting Wyatt. the guitar uh, out of a pawn shop sitting in a window. Those, you know, those Wyatt. things happen. Clarence Wyatt. Clarence, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it's interesting how many of uh, the actual heroes that we were all trying to find their instruments found theirs in a similar off-the-wall not buying directly from the manufacturer or music store. Well, even personally, my bass story, I mean, that's the same idea. That That's like my ultimate bass, and it was bought out of the uh, local Denver newspaper from a symphony orchestra player that was on, down on his luck and going on strike, and we got this bass that's worth well over what we paid for it. I think Mom paid $300 for it. Um, came with a bow that she said, I don't need a bow, I play bluegrass. <laughs> which probably was worth another couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But the same idea. I mean, you just you never know where you're gonna find that guitar yeah. or instrument. Sure. Yeah, and that but at the same time it's very hard to build like I, I tried to build my YouTube channel on that. And those kinds of stories are so impossibly hard to find. Sure. So like I've I've done every one I've found and I've had six or seven I think total. Yeah. Um, There's a reason yeah. they're so exciting is because it's pretty rare to happen. Well, I think they're getting more and more rare these days too. I think people are starting to get more with the internet, especially. I think is making a huge difference mm-hmm. that it so gets a, it out there. That's a good subject to kind of get into. Is uh, how do you think the uh, instrument market has changed? Because I know us as you know uh, we opened our music store in in 2013. Um, that was our first year of doing this. And, you know, that was those who haven't followed the story. That was a fluke accident, uh, situation as well. I won't get into that, but, um, <clears throat> watching the industry change, not just in used instruments, but the marketplace in general has been pretty mm-hmm. wild. In fact, even in the last two to three years has dramatically changed how this industry has gone, uh, finding instruments, uh, the demand for those instruments. I mean, what have you seen? We see it on the retail end. What do you see? Uh, and, you know, I know we'll get into this as well. You know, you've recently started to get into the retail end as well. Um, and, you know, kind of tell us what you think you see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, it's it's really changed over the last... Because I think of, like, my heyday of when I was, like, making the most money and finding the craziest deals was... Right before, like, before Reverb. So, like, 2005 to 2012, I cleaned up. Because I was old enough that I had enough money that I could save some money and have a couple grand on hand. If I found something, I could jump in a car and go get it. Um, What I have found is almost everybody knows more about what guitars they have. And even if they just find an old guitar in their attic, they're able to find more information pretty quickly. Sure. I I think the really negative flip side of that is that so many things get misrepresented. Like this morning, somebody sent me like a local to me, a 1943 L an LG just showed up and I didn't know if it was an LG two or three or sorry, a one or a two. And, um, and so this guy like immediately, he just had a bunch of stuff that isn't accurate, but he definitely had Googled it. And he's like, well, this is a Gibson LG and this is what Nathaniel Ratliff plays, and it's, you know, like, it's just, um, there's so much information out there that unless sure. you know how to track down what year it was, and if it's a factory order number, you know, what the logo is, and what modifications have been done to it. I think one of the hardest things, too, is there's more knowledge now about what these guitars are, but there's much less experience 
And so it's it's really hard to me when somebody actually gets a, an older guitar in their hands and they realize like, oh, this is this is like tricky and hard to play and the fret ends are sticking out, you know, and it's just an old guitar. Um, so that's that's where just fewer people have more access to them. Um, yeah, but it's changed a ton over the last twenty years. Yeah, I think I think we've seen. I, I know what you're talking about. The information that is accessible to uh, the average person dramatically has gone up. But as you know, uh, you know that information without verification has been some of the most disastrous things we've had. A lot of people yeah. that have come in with instruments uh, that they you know see. Um, it's the antiques roadshow effect. It is. It is. <laughs> Everybody's exactly. got Stradivarius in their house. Yeah, and, and it's so funny to watch because, uh, well, it's not really funny. I, I'm not making fun of it at all. It's more of a situation where people get this you know, deal and mm-hmm. listings have changed a whole lot. Like you see so many listings for instruments. Man, I saw there's seven of these online right now for $18,000. Well, let me do- take a look into here of actually what's sold. Because, yeah, yeah. because it's so accessible and you can find these prices, it's also changed that marketplace. I, I remember I watched a documentary not too long ago on the Beanie Baby uh, craze and what happened with that where they were literally, you know, uh, driving their own marketplace and and values by by way of the Internet. This was literally what uh, this uh, they, in this documentary, they were kind of going off about how AOL was just getting started. And really what drove AOL was this Beanie Baby craze of, you know, here's a couple websites and this one sold for this and this. And then, you know what, now mine's worth this. And this is and it's like this crazy uh, wow. automatic Ponzi scheme almost. Yeah, and that's that's not exclusive to obviously no, us no, or no. Beanie Babies. That's, I mean, that's the problem we're having with news being trafficked. Well, I was going to say that too. Trafficked. Good job. We're basically Jared. describing the stock market, but yeah. also I was going to state that the I watched a Beanie Baby documentary is also a weird flex. And <laughs> I'm, thank you very much. <laughs> this is this is how I spend my so days. I, I watched the documentary last week. <laughs> yeah, about the Beanie Babies. <laughs> but here's a factoid: uh, Beanie Babies were my first hustle. Really, like the first thing I figured out how to buy low and sell high. My mom knew some lady. She so my mom was a seamstress, so she knew somebody that um, owned a, fa- a fabric store, and they would get orders of Beanie Babies that were expensive, or like they would get them cheap, sell them at whatever the tag said on the on the Beanie Babies, and then I would sell them to my bus driver and the lunch ladies at my school. Ah, and you're always a hustler. There you go. I don't. It just. I don't know. It just. It's that been, is the, the fun. It, it could be addicting, you know, finding something that you know there's intrinsic value that's not being represented when you could purchase for, for this price. And also there's some risk involved because there's a bit of a thrill of, yeah. you know, if I get this wrong, there's some risk in there. There's reward if you made the right decision, but sometimes you can make a bad call. And we've done that on a couple used purchases where we find yeah. out more details after the fact. And it's like, well, that value just dropped down quite a bit from what I expected. It, it yeah, is interesting, well, though, because uh, we're... <clears throat> We're describing a lot of things that are happening right now. There's a lot of analogies. The stock market. I watched the the uh, thing about you know the uh, GameStop saga. I want. It's the that. same idea as that. It's it's the technology and how it's changing markets, and it really mm-hmm. is making a huge difference in in all these places. The stock market and you know politics, obviously, and our social interactions, but sales, retail changes by all these things. So it's kind of interesting to see how all these threads are the same. And and basically, we're saying. 
Facebook and YouTube are, are the devil. <laughs> there's really just no filter. There's no. Let's, uh, let's shut down all of the internets. That's what the we same, really need. The same to thing do. goes with lessons too. They'll have all the student come in and say, "Well, I just watched this video on YouTube, and you're actually supposed to do it this way." It's like uh, the guy you're watching <laughs> not really the most qualified <laughs> at giving that mandolin lesson or whatever it happens to be. Hey, by the way, you uh, you were talking about one of Jeremy Shepard's uh, mandolin instruction videos, right? Yeah, that's why that channel's not doing as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a poser for sure. I'm very much a guitar player that pretends to play mandolin. <laughs> and then he started kidding. a mandolin instruction site. Oh, yeah, that's not true. Not mm-hmm. true. So uh, let's get into uh, COVID. What what happened with you during yeah, COVID? What a time to launch a uh, a new social media business. Yeah. It really changed. Okay, so I started my YouTube channel in 2017. I made one video, one off. I was buying an OM28 in uh, like on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. And I was like, no one's made a video about how to buy old guitars. Like, I'm just going to make a video talking about how I bought this guitar. And then I forgot about it for six months. I came back and had like twelve or 14,000 views. I was like, wow, okay, well, I'll do more of these. So I started my YouTube channel. I was growing it. I was buying and selling stuff on the side. I was in a sales job. I had a marketing agency. I had other stuff I was doing. Um, but then it worked out that I was like, I'm going to go full-time. Like I've got enough momentum. I think I had ten or 12,000 subscribers and I was like, I'm going to go full time. I'm going to push hard and see what I can do and grow this channel. I'm going to get to every guitar shop, every guitar show. And that was in February of 2020. I left my full time job. And uh, within a few weeks, COVID came knocking. And I was like, I was headed to the Asheville guitar show and it got canceled. And uh, I remember panicking like, what? How am I going to make money? You know, this was a terrible idea. And uh, so I did, I got a part-time gig for about six months while I was able to then retool and change up how I was doing Guitar Hunter. So that's when I totally switched gears. I never planned on talking about new guitars on my channel. I never talked about, uh, I never thought about doing anything with reviews um, Mm -hmm. or giving consumer advice. I guess I was doing consumer advice, but my channel originally was like how to buy and sell guitars as a side hustle. And um, that messaging did not go over well like people just don't like guitar <laughs> flippers you were the scourge of the guitar world <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> uh yeah but yeah so um covid ended up uh and it actually worked out really well like i was starting to do some fun stuff like i i bought some guitars new i could basically get artist pricing buy guitars make a video and then kind of bank on the video making up to recoup the cost of buying the guitar. And so that worked with a couple and then other brands started reaching out like Fender. So I was part of the Fender American Pro 2 Strat launch and then the American Jazzmaster, the acoustic players. While he's wearing his Fender t-shirt right now, by the way. Oh, I am wearing a Fender shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I now work for a Fender dealer. So now I'm getting this whole new exposure to to new guitars. Yeah, Yeah, Let's talk about that. I guess the connection, because... Uh, you were telling me when you were here that you had run a music store in the past, and now you yeah. are back to running a music store. What? There's even a video I watched on why his music store didn't work. If yeah. You know what part really? of the channel? I did. I didn't. Wa- I'll be honest. I didn't watch that video. That's okay. So yeah. So that was my shop. I had a shop just outside New Orleans that I ran for two years, and it was fine. Like I came out, I made a little bit of money, um, but it never really took off, um, and I never, I didn't sell anything new. Uh, other than like strings and accessories. 
Um, so it was just stressful that in that business model, every time I'd sell a guitar, I would have like four minutes of joy. And then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to find something now to, to fill that hook. Um, so anyway, so fast forwarding, um, I've been running through COVID. I knew that I wanted to start doing something more planted, um, because I have a wife and kids and, uh, Guitar Hunter has been incredibly fun. Um, and it's also just, it's inconsistent income. So that's where I was like, okay, if I can find something that's more planted in, 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 in the guitar world around the same time, a friend of mine, Chris Jackson, who he and I went to high school together around the time that I started working at a guitar shop here in town, he moved to Nashville and worked in a studio and was learning how to make high-end studio microphones. So fast forward, he had moved back a few years before me back to Virginia, started a studio. That studio has grown. They opened a record pressing plant. And then he found out that they were going to be buying uh, a small guitar shop here in Harrisonburg called Hometown Music. And so he reached out to me last summer, actually right around the time I was flying out to hang out with you guys. I was starting to have these conversations with him where he said, hey, what would it take for you to work for me four days a week? You could still do Guitar Hunter, but I want you to help me just grow the guitar store, take it over, and then begin to open up the other things we're trying to do. So the space that we're in now is it's a guitar shop. We're opening a coffee shop. It's an old grocery store. So we have 26,000 square feet. So the size of our shop. Yeah, easily. Yeah. It's yeah, it's <laughs> gigantic. So um so yeah, so we're opening a coffee shop. We've got a guitar shop in there. There's a record pressing plant and then in the back we're building out a studio right now, rehearsal spaces, we're going to do lesson rooms and then we're also building out a music venue. So it's going to be the best run of people supporting local music around here that any of us have seen in our lifetime. And all of us have that similar kind of feeling of we've developed the skill set, we've gone out and traveled and and kind of cultivated what we're doing and then we come back to um you know it's it's really similar to Springfield like you come to kind of a a place where you're like well there's a good bed of coals of musicians that care about this stuff and we could both bring cool guitars from the world to here for people around here but we could also focus on the musicians around here and help them get out into the world at large. Cool. So yeah. So I've been there since January and it's a, it's been just a crash course in new guitar retail. So what he was really doing was when he came out here, mm-hmm. he oh, yeah, was sure. writing notes on all, your all the things that she shouldn't be doing. <laughs> all your secrets. So let's take this 1200 square foot and project it up into a 12,000. <laughs> Well, that's a, I've, I've been following along on your channel with that stuff, and it seems like not only a huge undertaking, but a, a fun project. It is. It, and it brings back like some of my favorite like vocational stuff in my life was when I was a regional sales manager for I sold high tech gadgets and oil and gas. And um, so like the business development side of it, like sales and marketing and getting out there and meeting with people like that stuff I've missed because in Guitar Hunter. It's mostly me sitting in a room talking to a camera like it's a person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting out and doing the larger kind of sales stuff. So it's it's been fun to take a little step back from being in front of a camera all the time. I bet. So now you're going into uh, music retail. What does this mean for the Guitar Hunter? What is the channel uh, going to be now? Yeah, so I'm I'm I want to condense and I've I've been able to do this to condense down what Guitar Hunter's doing. So I'm Last I like year, that he's for- speaking of it as a third person, by the way. All right, Mr. Trump. <laughs> Is it? Well, I, hang on. I'm, I'm not just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. 
I've tried to separate like guitar, guitar hunter. hunter is a business. Yes, it's like you. a business. I'm with you. I'm just teasing. I, it was so not. I. <laughs> so Jeremy the guitar hunter will be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I now I have one day off. I have one day off a week right now. Um, it's Thursdays are my day to do all of my guitar hunter stuff. Well, I guess that's not true because I also do my live show on Friday afternoons. But overall, Guitar Hunter, I've been able to say no to opportunities that I last year I probably would have taken. So opportunities where it's, hey, we're going to launch this guitar. And then I realize it's totally outside of what I would talk about or what I would ever buy or play. But because they were offering me money, I'd be like, okay, I'll do it. So I, the first thing that's been really satisfying is to say no to a lot of opportunities because it just shows that I'm in a different phase of of being an influencer, whatever that means. Because um, at first, yeah, at first you're like, Guitar Shop, can I borrow this guitar so that I can make a video on it and I'll make sure the guitar is exactly the way it was when I borrowed it from you. And then later the brand is like, well, we can give you a guitar, but we can't pay you. And then later they get to like, they can pay you and they can give you a guitar. So now I get to just be, I get to not have to say yes to everything. And um, and then it's also worked out that I'm able to uh, reload my cash savings so that when I find wild, ridiculous stuff, I can now jump on it again. Um, so that's where it will be fewer videos. It's still I've, I'm still putting out one or two videos a week, um, but it's it's dialing back to where the production value and and yeah, most of the other things are are better quality. The big thing is I have lots of collaborations coming up this year is the main push. So I'm, uh, we've got some stuff scheduled, uh, with bourgeois. We've got some stuff scheduled with Boucher. Um, we just scheduled something else. Um, I'm doing some stuff with ovation, which will be fun. Um, so yeah, trying all kinds of stuff, trying to just like do more kind of what we did, like higher level collaborations with other creators and channels. Yeah, that's been a whole bunch of fun. We had a blast. Uh, I think you were one of our first uh, major uh, channels to kind of do more of that stuff with, and it was a fun experience, and it's only kind of opened up even more because we now understand. Uh, you know, I think this is the best part about this industry, and, you know, you've seen this uh, as well quite often, is these guys that are doing this for a living, uh, you know, they also have to recognize that this is a community too, and mm-hmm. that we have to kind of, uh, you know, recognize everybody's strengths uh, as as a team play. And, and we really do seem to get connected pretty easy. I mean, in the end, especially this style of, uh, you know, uh, social media platform uh, performers, uh, it, it really becomes, a, you know, we're all about the same thing. We're about music. We're about in, uh, instruments. And, you know, even though all of us should and and is right to do take a different slant at all of those there's still the overall community that has to kind of work off of each other it's still a small community that's oh, what it we is. always remember it really is there's i mean there's huge influence out there influencers out there but there's really not that competitive edge that i've I found so far i feel like we're all i think we need to in maybe introduce scene. i've been watching some other industries where you need at least one or two feuds between top. Well, yeah, me yeah. We Jeremy, need a beef. We've yeah. talked about that. We've got. Can beef we start coming. one? Can we start a beef today? I like only to one of beef. us can use the name Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> which one's it going to be? There can only be one. Fat head. <laughs> Fat head. <laughs> I just started it. <laughs> he just did. That was <laughs> the first shot fired. <laughs> anyway, no, but I, I feel missed. like it is a small community, so we we are going toward the same goal. Yeah.
I mean, I, I'll, I'll be a little spicy. I mean, there are sev- there are some brands and some other creators that I've interacted with that I realized, oh, any success I would have, they are perceiving as competition or failure on their own part. And so there are like I've had I've had some like bigger YouTubers that are quite combative um, to any smaller creators, oh. and I'm like I'm thoroughly middle of the road, like. Um, We're so low on the totem pole, we don't even count. So, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, I'm like, I, there's always space. Like, I love that's where it's like you could. I mean, all of us have different perspectives and different backgrounds. Well, sure. Um, like, I didn't about that when you were down here. We we have kind of different lanes that we're in in the content creation. Us being a music retailer, we have almost different dual goals. One is just talking about things we really love. Yeah. But also, it's, it's you know building a trust with customers so they know that we we understand the industry, we understand the instruments, we are looking sure. for the best stuff possible. Where you are, you almost have another lane where you're almost trusted a little bit further. There's a there's a l- trust factor with us with like oh this is just a store trying to sell me stuff. Where yeah. you being kind of an independent guy that just is passionate about instruments, kind of maybe gets a, a easier barrier to break when you're just saying hey I'm I'm just an enthusiast that loves it. Do you think you're yeah. going to run into any Pushback now that you also are in that retail space, whereas now he's trying to sell stuff. Well, I feel that already. Um, So the big one is uh, each year I do my gear of the year, my last live show of the year, and I kind of rate like what I think is the best new thing and the and the worst new thing. And um, my worst new thing this year was the Ibanez. uh, It's that acoustic electric from the guy from Polyphia, and it just it to me just sounds terrible. I don't like it. So I made this video and then the next Monday morning I have a call with our with the Hoshino rep. <laughs> and he's like, "What the hell, man?" <laughs> like I was like I was like that guitar sucks and you know it. <laughs> like to me, I I just had to like joke and like you know yeah. stick to it. But I am I'm starting to feel that different and that's why we are we're separating we're going to be growing like a hometown music social media following. Sure. But I'm to. not going to I'm not going to bring my whole audience into that. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm still very much going to continue my own. Like, I get picked on when I'm in the shirt and I wear a Martin shirt. And I go there and they're like, oh, you, we don't sell Martin. Why would you wear the competitor? I was like, well, we don't sell anything that competes. So, <laughs> I mean, there is pressure on that stuff. Uh, sure. Well, we feel we also feel that pressure. I mean, we've always been out to make sure we're being objective. And there are, are a few reviews we try not to, I and mean, we got to walk that fine line, like you said, with the reps. But we try not to slam products. And but honestly, yeah. we have to give our honest opinions, or else we have no opinion. Yeah, yeah we had that happen a bunch uh, this year. When we we went to the Nam show, um, our main goal was this year. Uh, well, this last year was Nam show was uh, interesting because a lot of people weren't coming that were uh, main creators and uh, mm-hmm. vendors, uh, manufacturers, because they're like, oh, the you know, the dealers aren't coming this year and blah, 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 blah. And our goal came in there, coming in there was, hey, let's take this on as a whole new opportunity. Let's take on brands that we will, we don't carry. We we love them. And, and I think that had to be said is the community mm-hmm. relies on channels like ours and yours to kind of go, hey, Tell me something because I don't know that I'm getting all the stuff mm-hmm. from, you know, obviously a manufacturer puts out their own content. Everything is 100 percent to them, yeah. you know, and, and they should. Uh, there's, you know, if they're not putting it out and claiming it to be 100 percent, then they shouldn't be putting it out in the first place. But that mm-hmm. said, that doesn't mean that that's the overall appeal. 
So like when we went to Nam this year, we did our Martin Booth uh, uh, run through tour, and we did a Taylor uh, run through and uh, stuff. Now the, everybody who follows our channels knows that we don't carry those brands, mm -hmm. but it was a mission to make sure that they understood. Hey, I still appreciate this stuff. I still That'd recognize. Be disingenuous what it is. not to do it because when we are at Nam, we go to those booths because yeah. it's Martin and Taylor. How could you be an acoustic enthusiast and not want to go it, play the new instrument? It goes down to that trust factor. I think when we need to make sure we're being open and objective and honest about sure. everything we do. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a tough world because there are so many different uh, great brands, and and we, I will say that has been a mission uh, again driven through these guys here uh, is to talk about. Uh, these other ones. When we get a Collings guitar in, we do a review on it and talk about it. Uh, even you know that we know fans. That, well, it's not going to make us any uh, extra money. Uh, a lot of times they've already that. sold. Yeah, and it's like, hey, before we ship you this guitar, can we do a review? Because we don't get enough of them in here, and we're fans of them. So let's talk about it. It's yeah. That's it's. It, I think it's part of the reason we do this is because we actually do enjoy it. I think if yeah. we were doing it for ulterior motives and it was just about money, we probably would have picked a different industry. And <laughs> then, we could be, then we could be disingenuous <laughs> and, and just say, oh, we got the best widget out there. But the reason that people get involved in music is because they're passionate about it. It's not the most lucrative industry to be in, so why lie about your personal opinions on it? Yeah. Guitars are cool. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like our messaging, our messaging at Hometown is that we want people to become the best versions of themselves by creating music. And so, sure. like, we're just trying to help them discover music and creativity. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's always funny to me. One th quick thought on that last bit. It's always funny to me that, like, I now see when people come into guitar shops, they will play dumb or they will assume that people at the shop don't know about their competitors or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I always love when people are like, yeah, tell me about this guitar. And then you tell them about it. And then afterwards, they're, like, snapping a picture of the in the sound hole. And then they're very... You're very clearly on Sweetwater or Reverb, <laughs> like, not well, knowing that we know, you know. Yeah, well, I, and again, that's something, uh, you know, we talked about, I know this is another switch of gears here, but we talked about how the industry has changed. I think that has been uh, both a great thing and a bad thing. Some people yeah. really took it on as a bad thing. Um, the internet in, in sales has really bloomed over this especially over COVID. We keep bringing that up. I mean, almost every po podcast lately. Mm -hmm. I don't think even in just our industry, everybody's so going to talk COVID about COVID. COVID pushed more people towards the internet? Is yeah, that what you're saying? I, what? I think no. it did. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, we now have a whole world. I, w I remember going to seminars three, four years ago where everybody's like, man, everybody's coming in my shop and they're price shopping and they're, they're hiding their phone. And just like you said, they do. And mm -hmm. it got to the point where it's like, a lot of people were getting really angry about it. And, you know, remember that? We were in quite a few uh, seminars in NAM, and all these business owners that had been running stores for 30, 40, 50, 60 years were really getting mad about this idea that, you know, yeah. people could find the information. And, I, you know, we kind of sitting here like, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you're going to do about that. It's now just time to embrace it, recognize, hey, what you're offering. Yeah, yeah, be competitive in other areas. Figure out but what that's, it is yeah. that you do that those guys aren't going to be able to do and, you know, try to try to offer. But the fact is, is we have more information at our fingertips than ever before. We have a generation of buyers that is different than ever before. We've got all mm -hmm. these uh, millennials and uh, Gen Zers and uh, even like, I mean, I'm on the edge of that uh, as a, I don't know what generation I am, a Z, Y, Q, 
Uh, whatever. I don't know what I am. Boomer. A boomer. Yeah, he's um, boomer. <laughs> and, but, you know, we use our phones now. We recognize that, you know, there are other... I can't just go off of what a salesman tells mm-hmm. me anymore. And and but I honestly a, think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, I think one of the things that our most small communities have lost as small guitar shops have closed down, most small towns don't have that guy that knows... Sure. All about guitars that can help you understand, you know, what you what specky thing you need or, you know, like all these those little questions along the way. And that's the thing that I mean, we hope to be and I'm realizing how many guys because I worked at a shop that closed down and it felt like our city was losing a really important thing when I closed down the home or guitar and amp center that I used to work for. And um, and now it's fun to see how many people are still around from that season and how in the last 10 years that I've been gone that there are so many people that stepped into the role of that shop. So there are lots of people that are doing great setups and they can, you know, somebody owns all the stuff to do a fret level and polish. And, you know, you have some support in the guitar culture. It's a lot of fun. It's a community. And I think if all of us find a way to, to be a part of it in your day-to-day life and doing something you love, obviously, I'm going to coin a phrase, uh, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Ooh, oh, I like that. Man, that's, that's like genius. Right yes, I've never, I've never uh, heard of that, that in a sign in my bathroom. Reserved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in my bathroom. I can look at it while I pee. Do something you love. <laughs> well, it's been awesome talking to you, Jeremy. I know we got to get you going. Uh, you've got yeah, things to I've do. Got you've got, got my life show hunting here, to do. Um, but I think we've learned a few things today. Yes, we have. More than one of us have a fat head. Oh. Um, COVID's changed everything, and the internet's here to stay. Oh, these are great things. Uh, good luck uh, working Heard on that music first. business. Uh, if you need any help, don't call me. Um, <laughs> We're competitive now. We'll just send you the links no. that John's using to search for the information. No, listen, all, all jokes aside, uh, like there was a guitar brand that we wanted. I'll, I can say them. We wanted to carry Eastman, but everything from the outside says they're not taking on any new dealers. True. And then... And then John made a call, and we've got—I think they—they'll be here tomorrow or or today or Monday. Awesome. Um, we got our first order. That is something we've always felt like we're open to competition. We had Eastman yeah. contact us about some right down the road from us, uh, not literally down the road, but you know, in our region that normally yeah. other stores would have said no, we can't have competition. It's if it it makes us do better if we know other people are also selling that product. We've got to make sure we're doing. It keeps us competitive and. And striving to be better, oh. so we're not going to deny anybody access. And I don't to take think. this full circle, we're all on the internet, so we're all competing. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there's really no you might as well be local the boundaries road. anymore. Yeah. So we just got to compete. No, as genuinely, we can. genuinely, this has been great. A relationship with Jeremy has been a, a whole bunch of oh, fun. Thanks, guys. I, get, I like you too. Not, not no, this Jeremy. No, I don't like this guy at all. Um, but it hmm. has been fun, uh, and you know, I get these funny text messages every once in a while and sometimes I'll answer them and uh, other times I <laughs> Do I text you too much? <laughs> no, no, not that's at just all. John on any no, messaging. Not at all. You got to realize It's a lot of gifts. No, I, I'm the I am the worst messaging per Responding If you in fact people. now that you're dealing with Eastman uh make sure to ask them if uh John ever answers his emails cuz they've all <laughs> come to a, a realization that if they want something out of me they don't bother to email me. Anymore. That's that boomer <laughs> generation again. Boomer. <laughs> All right. But anyway, Jeremy, we'll, uh, we're going to see you soon, hopefully. Um, yeah. If not, we'll see you on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. We know where to find you. Yep. Yeah, I'll come to you. You come to me. Let's hang out. We'll do it. Right. We'll meet in the middle. Buddy. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. It was fun. Appreciate we'll see it. Ya.
that was a whole bunch of fun. Um, it's so cool to talk to other people kind of taking their guitar journey um, and and doing it in a public forum, kind of similar to, you know, what we've always done. Obviously, from two different directions, um, you know, and, and interesting that he ends up in a music retail space, uh, which was probably, well, I guess it kind of was his original calling. Yeah. Um Ours was a little before. bit different. We're almost but doing a, a converging thing because we're starting to do a lot more of that traveling to uh, guitar builders and other stores and doing. So we're, we're going, the, com- opposite we're going the opposite way. We're still doing retail, but we, we came in a different direction. There, there is an interesting bunch of analogies with that I found with Jeremy. I spent a lot I've of time had bad talking allergies with him. this year. Yeah, it's been <laughs> real rough. But anyway, there are there's a lot of similarities, as you would say. You gonna play with that one too? <laughs> no. Similarities. Jer- Jeremy grew up in a big family with all J's, which is interesting. Uh, uh, um, not all J's, but a Jason, Jason and Jonathan, and John yeah, and no. Jeremy. And- um, but you know, we s- sat and talked a lot about family and things and instruments and all that stuff. But also, uh, it was right after the time mom passed away from cancer, and he was having the same in his family. There was a member of. So there's some weird, interesting connections that we've made there, and I think it's a pretty great friendship. I hope it continues. Um, he's a great guy. And, I can't uh, wait to finish fill, filling out his uh, Wikipedia p- Wikipedia page. Yes, uh, we've got all kinds of new things we're going to be adding to that. Fathead, exactly. I believe. Fathead. And Jimmy Neutron was it? Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy that Neutron, was it. Neutron, the Fathead. <laughs> Something like that. That was a lot of fun, and look forward to seeing Jeremy again. I'm sure we'll run across him uh, numerous different times. Hopefully, get out to that shop and see kind of what they're building out there. That sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. could be a cool project. Well, guys, podcasting. Yeah, it's still it's, up. I think it's a thing. thing. I'm okay with it. I think it's falling off. Okay. <laughs> At least well. this one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we thank you for listening out there, folks. Thanks for following the Acoustic Shop. And uh, we Be sure love to you. share this podcast if you uh, enjoyed it. That's going to help a lot uh, to get it out there and to keep us doing it. Yeah. And we love them. And we love you for it. We love you. Thank you. Aww. Love you guys. No, really? you don't. I, got, you I do went not. too far, didn't I? You did. I really feel Just bad that I can't say it back. <laughs> Oh, you, you're, you're a good, good guy. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. That's you bless your heart. <laughs> All right. See you guys next time. Uh, I'm going to see you like after this. No. The Acoustic Shop knows people. Handmade by Trent Pruitt, Hinkley Hinkleston, and Jason Chapman for The Acoustic Shop. Theme song written and performed by Ofer Corin. And please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.